Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. We are recording, Casey, on the day of the Tony Awards. So, who oh. do you have winning Best New Musical? Um, Spider-Man and the Girl That Can Sing. Well, first of all, uh, there was a Spider-Man musical. See? I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, it's called Spider-Man and the Girl That Can Sing. Nope, it was uh, actually Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Uh, and the music was written by, I think, Bono and the Edge, maybe? Oh, from not, U2. Mm, you know how I feel about U2. I, I do. You, you're not a fan. Not Boo a fan. U2. Uh, but seriously, the Tonys are tonight. Uh, my wife has me recording them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're they're going to be on the DVR when we're done here. And uh, for those that are curious, uh, the we obviously don't know who's going to win Best New Musical. Um, but the nominees, in case you were you know listening to this podcast and were really curious, Girl from the North Country, MJ, Mr. Saturday Night. Paradise Square, six the musical, uh, what I think will win, and then a strange loop. So it's either going to be. I literally six... could not tell you what any single one of those are about. It's it's either going to be six the musical the or uh, a strange loop. One of those two is going to win. What's six the musical about? Uh, six the musical. You've is already about... seen it. No, no. So I listened to listen to some of the music though. Okay. Uh, six the musical is about uh, the wives of Henry the Eighth. <laughs> so like Anne Boylan. You mean Anne Boleyn? boiling it's i'm pretty sure it's bold i'm pretty sure it's not bo- boiling like you're gonna boil some water uh this is a purdue podcast it is boiling okay fair enough fair enough um so yeah there you go uh, i know you're excited for tonight so we're gonna we're gonna record fast uh so you can get to uh watch the rest of the tonys as i'm sure you're recording it as well this is to me yes i am oh a, yeah i am a man of uh proper primped and music that's honestly, that's, that's, you know, when people ask me who've never met you, they're like, how would you describe Casey? It's those exact words. <laughs> um, so ah, we, Casey's been hitting the head with a heavy yeah, object. Exactly. Uh, so tonight we are going to finish our look at the uh, sophomore class from last year's basketball team. We're going to talk about uh, one of Casey and I's favorite players, Ethan Morton. Uh, that is in the second half, though. So I saw this today on Twitter. It was, it's got to be one of the more awkward things I think I've seen about professional sports, and I wanted to, to gauge your reaction on it. So I know you're not a huge baseball fan. Correct. Um, this is about baseball, but you have to you don't have to have any baseball knowledge uh, to I join have in the baseball knowledge, Ledman. I know, but like you don't have knowledge about like what's going on this season, Correct. really. That's what I mean. Okay. So apparently ESPN was talking about uh, Joe Madden. Uh, he got fired recently from the Angels. Again. Well, I mean, this was this year, like, uh, this, he gets like a week ago. He no, just got happens. fired from the Cubs. That was a few years ago. Okay. Uh, then went to the Angels. Sure. I think okay. that's right. Uh, Joe Madden got a mohawk to surprise the guys to help break the losing streak. However, the losing streak that his team was on that eventually got him fired. However, the players never saw it because he got fired the day he got the mohawk. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. Can you imagine? Oh, no. First of all, if you're 70-whatever-he-is and still able to have hair in the middle of your head. Oh, he's got a good set of, good head of hair, too. Congrats, buddy. Yeah, that's a... Hmm. Hmm. Didn't read the tea leaves very well. No, uh, he is 68, for those curious. But, uh, oh, man. Just imagine, like, you go going to your barber, you're talking. He's like, so what are you doing? Oh, I'm getting a mohawk today. 
What for? Well, I don't know if you recognize me. I'm the manager of the Angels, and uh, we're in a real bad rut right now. So I'm trying to, you know, motivate the players. I'm going to come in with this wacky mohawk. It's really going to get them going. What are your favorite Angels? Uh, the Heaven ones in Angels? the out. The ones in the okay, outfield. That was, that was the, that the was ones in the outfield yes, is the good. is the only correct Agreed. answer. Agreed. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt out there waving his arms. Uh, don't, God, the guy from uh, Who's the Boss? What's his name? Uh, Donald Glover? Nope, not even close. I don't know any of the other names in that in that thing. What does who's all the boss have guys. to Tony Danza. Oh, oh, he what? wasn't. He was the dad, wasn't he? Well, he was the no. Tony Danza was the the baseball player who was sick in the movie, and they Do were I like, "Know who Tony Danza is?" I, that I can't answer. Uh, but he was the one that they were like, "Uh, well, he's gonna be one of us soon," because basically he was gonna die. Oh, that that. <laughs> That. You're like, you're like, oh, oh that's this, right, he was. This kids movie got dark. <laughs> was. Um, and also Christopher Lloyd was in that movie, and you're thinking of Danny Glover. Yes. Not Donald Glover. Correct. Not related. Uh, but I both have the last name the Glover. Person. Yes. Uh, and Matthew McConaughey also in that movie. Oh, this is wild. Now I know what I need to watch. Looks like it might be on. It's got to be on Disney Plus, right? It's got to be on something. I mean, it's a Disney movie. It is so... a Disney movie. I do see it. That is such a good, like, underrated underrated so i'm gonna follow up this because we've gone far afield of what i asked but i love it uh what is your favorite children's sports movie i mean angels in the outfield is up there it is a good one angels Um, in the outfield not on disney plus oh you break my heart i don't know how that's possible um rookie of the year was good when i was rookie of the year very good um yeah surprisingly good baseball movies i forgot how good the announcer was in this yeah Oh, this movie is a classic. That nacho scene every time cracks me up. Angels in the Outfield, according to uh, JustWatch.com, where I always go to find where things are streaming, not available to stream anywhere. My mother might still have the VHS, which is not useful to anyone, including no, myself. No, but I mean, but maybe, I mean she that's could how ship I remember it. it. She could ship it to you, and you could find the VCR. That's true. Adrian Brody was in it? Yeah. I think Kim he was Conlon? just— he, Adrian Brody was just like one of the nameless okay. baseball players you see. Dermot Mulroney is who I was thinking of as the father. He kind of looks um, like Tony Danza when you look at him next to next. Um, oh, best sports movie. Little Giants was good. Little Giants, very good. Um, the best one. I'll tell you, I think what my answer is. It might be Little Big League, another baseball movie. Okay, it's Sandlot. I mean, Sandlot is very good. I think yeah. it's Sandlot. I, it, I can't argue with that answer. There's certainly nothing that at the time when I was a kid that hit me like that. Yeah. And wait, what was yours? I don't think little I've big seen league. That. Little big league was basically it came out around I think almost the exact same time, maybe even same year as rookie of the year. And it was a guy who uh, a kid whose um, whose grandpa owned the Minnesota Twins and. He was like, this was his his favorite grandpa. He was the be- favorite grandson, like would always go to the games with him, knew a ton mm-hmm. about baseball. Grandpa dies, leaves the team to the grandson, um, and the grandson names himself the manager of the team. Good. And the boss it's, move. it's just a very good movie. It's got one of one of the, I think, the best scenes, and it's uh, he's got to finish his homework before uh, he goes out to manage the game. So the whole sense. team, the whole team is like trying to help him <laughs> finish this. Uh, and baseball it's like, players it's, notoriously yeah. dumb. And it's one, it's one of these Just questions. Saying. It's uh, like 
if I can paint a house in four hours and Casey can paint a house in two hours, how fast can they do it together? And this one guy, they just keep going and he goes, my dad's a painter. I should know this. <laughs> and another another guy goes, I don't understand. If you painted the house, the house is already painted. Why are you painting it again? And, uh, I mean, Swiss. it's just a top-notch movie. Um, uh, I don't think – get doesn't get the love that uh, The Sandlot or Rookie of the Year does, but – just a really top-notch baseball movie. Um, the Mighty Ducks is definitely up there. Oh, Mighty Ducks, of um, course, yeah. As far as like rewatchability and as a kid, what I watched the most, it was definitely the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, I think that's that's probably um, fair. I think that hit I, that covered a broader spectrum of age when I was a kid that I loved. Um, but yeah, I'll probably go Mighty Ducks. But Angels yeah. in the Outfield was def- definitely like heartbreaker, like oh my, but also hilarious. Yeah, I don't yeah, baseball that... movies much better than baseball. I think a and lot you know of people why? feel that way. You know why? Because there's not a lot of baseball yeah. in them. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're easy to film scenes. Um, there's plenty of time in between every single play for hijinks to happen. True, um, true. A lot of lot of pranks going on. Yeah, like the hockey stuff had to happen during hockey. But in the baseball movie, you can just have Mr. Spills a lot. Just, you know, changing, changing an outfit four times before you get into the third inning. So Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's Perfect. true. Baseball does make for good movies, but... Remember I the Titans for, is good? Yeah, but I don't consider that like a kid's sports uh, movie. I mean, is it, it It might not be Disney, but it definitely felt Disney. I think it was Disney. Okay. I think it was. So it's a kid movie. Cool yeah, but Runnings, also it's, cool Runnings was cool great. Cool Runnings, very good. Not super kiddie. I've eh. still never seen Hoosiers from start to finish. Should Hoosiers, that matter more? I mean, it's a pretty good movie, but it's not, I think people in Indiana like it more so than like, you know, the rest of the country does. If it were I called think... Boilermakers, I would have watched it as <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's what kind of fan I am. I, I had a um, a middle school teacher who was actually in the movie Hoosiers. <laughs> not in like. Did he talk about it a lot? No. Well, it was a, it was a woman, um, but okay, not sorry. in like a. Hey, you're fine. I don't think she's a listener. Uh, not in like a big like speaking role. But, you know, when they were filming the movie, they literally had these like call outs to just have random people from wherever they were filming to come. And she went and I believe if I'm remembering this correctly, and my brother is a listener to this podcast and always loves to send me messages when I get things wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Ooh, she's in one of the unlimited s- text messages. We do. Zinger. Yeah. Ha ha. Um, she is one of the people, I think, handing out like serving mashed potatoes uh, in one of the scenes, if I'm remembering correctly. She's a teacher and she had to apply for a role as a lunch lady. I, it sounds that way, yeah. And I'm, mm. I don't know how I don't know mm. how strenuous the audition process was. <laughs> Haven't seen Blue Chips either. Blue Chips pretty good. Also, uh, you know, Matt Painter in that movie. I I don't know how I missed that as a kid. Cuz like Penny Hart in Penny Hardaway in it? He, um or is it mostly Shaquille? I mean, Shaq's the big one, but that's a much like raunchier movie than, you know, like Mighty Ducks. Um and while we're, you know, not too far away from my brother correcting me. He did point out the other day that uh, the U2 album that we all got for free on our on our um, iPods. Did he just was... know this answer? Oh, of course he knew this answer. Okay. The, the guy has thousand CDs, um, has <laughs> like an encyclopedic knowledge of any music that's out there. Uh, that that album was Songs of Innocence, not How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, as I said. Um, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb is a different band, isn't it? I don't think so. There's a there's a similar title for an emo band, I think. It's the summer, folks. I yeah. don't know what you were expecting. We're fast but, in uh, the summer, so... I, I didn't expect us to be more excited about kids' movies than Marvel movies the other week, but this has been a better discussion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So uh, we're going to leave it there, and How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb is a U2 album. I just okay. um, So we're going to take a break, come back, talk about Ethan Morton.
And we are back. So we are continuing our look uh, at the Purdue men's basketball roster. Uh, today, as we talked about at the front, Casey and I are going to be talking about Ethan Morton, uh, one of our favorite players. Uh, you've probably heard us talk about him a little too much uh, over the, the history of this podcast in comparison with kind of what he's delivered on the uh, on the court. But he's one of those guys that Casey and I both believe can play a huge role next year. Uh, and he just has those intangibles that don't always show up in the box score. So before we get too deep into um, Ethan Morton, I want to ask you, Casey, what is it about him that really excites you um, about his play? He's he's six six. Okay. No, you it's really teach, exciting because like you can't teach height. That's what they always say. You can't teach teach height. He's six six with long arms. And let's be honest, when you look at him, you don't think particularly good athlete, but he's a pretty good athlete. Um, good lateral quickness. And I think it's exciting to have guards that are skilled with the ball, uh, talented, that can shoot, that are big. Yeah. And you can literally never have enough of them. So I think that provides a potential advantage on the floor. And maybe the only advantage we could possibly have from a guard is just that they're very big. Yeah. Because we don't have much else. No. And I mean, we've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about how next year the guard position is going to be a real struggle for Purdue, especially the point guard position. And you and I have mentioned Point Morton uh, from time to time, and having a six foot six guy who can play guard, who can handle the ball, um, could really help with that position because we don't really know if there's going to be a go to guy um, other than Braden Smith, you know, coming in as we said as a true freshman. But that's a hard thing to do and a lot of weight to carry as a true freshman. So, you know, you just look at the numbers that Morton has had over his two seasons. Um, he's I, This was surprising to me. I, I, I've, I'm sure I knew it, but it didn't really uh, connect. He's never started a game at Purdue. He's appeared in 60 games, but he's never started. He didn't start the Clemson game where he played a bunch um, his uh, freshman year? I'm when looking at these, Ivy was out. And, I'm looking at these numbers. No, Isaiah says, started. No, Isaiah says started. No starts. And Morton played a lot. That makes sense. Um, so another thing that's exciting is how much better he got at defense. Yeah. At times last year, it felt like he was the only good perimeter defender. I don't disagree. And, well, Eric Hunter Jr. came on at times. Yeah, but yeah. But to have someone make that kind of leap their second year after a freshman year where we know he was physically limited for stuff COVID. outside of his control. Yeah, he had COVID. And so the fact that he made that kind of leap that early in his career, it took Dakota three years to make it defensively. Yeah. And Morton yeah, is it, bigger and just as quick, if not quicker than Dakota. So if you make that kind of leap defensively already before, like you're really playing a ton of minutes before you're really ready. I think that bodes well in the future for our perimeter defense. I think we're bringing in a few guys that are going to be pretty good defensively uh, eventually, but the fact that he does, despite the offensive, or in addition to the offensive stuff, that he does have potential to be a really good lockdown defender that can guard all over the place, that gets his hands on a lot of balls. I'm really impressed with the way he gets the other players' dribbles when he's helping, uh, getting into passing lanes a lot, we saw. Anticipates really well those long arms like we talked about. When you can do that kind of stuff, you're going to play a lot. And when you bring all the intangibles, like you said, and a 44% jump shot, it's a win when you're on the floor. We saw that this year, despite mm-hmm. if you you know put everyone against the wall. He's not one of their best five players, but we always played better when he was on the floor. So the more we can have that, the better. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember the exact game, but there were a couple times toward the end of the year. Um, one might have been against Michigan, where Purdue just looked absolutely horrendous. 
Uh, and then Morton came in, and Purdue went on a very quick run uh, to kind of turn the game around. Um, I'm pretty sure one of them was, was one of them was the Michigan game. You played uh, the really one that, well in the Texas game. Yes. Um, and you just like you said, you look at the leap not only defensively but on offense. How he did from uh, his freshman year to his sophomore year. I mean, his minutes jumped from only 200 his freshman year up to 548 his sophomore year. And he still is not, you know, a high volume shooter. Um, he's not a guy who we've relied on to score a lot of points. I mean, it, it's kind of nuts, really. You look at the numbers. He's only taken 37 two pointers and 48 three pointers over the two seasons combined. So on, only 85, 85 shots. Um, which is just wild, but he's still shooting. Like he said, he was 44% from three this year, uh, 15 out of 34, and then 51% uh, from two. So those are good numbers, and I would assume, based on what we've seen, that he can kind of stick with those numbers as the shot volume increases next year, like you and I assume that it will. He is a guy that the ball never sticks in his hand. Um, When he gets the ball, it's either quick shot, quick attack, or it's a quick pass. And the fact he doesn't turn over the ball much, the fact he shoots it well, and then that ability to move the ball that way, which is which is rare to find, um, particularly, you know, nowadays where everyone has a bunch of dribble moves, step back jumpers, all this stuff to get into a guy that can move the ball that quickly. is just instant chemistry for everyone on the floor. And we're going to need that next year because we're not going to do enough with the dribble with the dribble. No, we're not going to. No, I, I can't imagine. I mean, unless someone really adds a facet to their game or one of the incoming freshmen really just shocks us with with an on off the dribble game. I mean, I, I can't think of a player on this roster who I would imagine is going to be that take a guy off a dribble uh, player. No. So we need to break teams by being smart, passing mm-hmm. the ball and getting it inside to the giant seven foot right. four Canadian yeah. that is going to be our best offense all year. And a guy who's six six that can handle it and knows how to create passing lanes and is willing to make those passes—that's what you want. And though the, it, he ended up not having a good St. Peter's game, only played four minutes. Uh, yeah. But that Texas game, two of two from three, scored eight points in twenty-two minutes, had two blocks. Uh, two very—he's a good rebounder for his size. Um, all these other things, we're gonna have to win in the margins this year. We don't have a Jaden Ivey anymore. Right. We don't have a Trevion Williams. We are going to have to grit out wins. And that happens by getting to balls, by not making turnovers. And for us next year, it's going to be making sure Edie gets 30 to 35 quality Ooh. looks in the post. That every is a game. lot of looks. It's That's a, a lot, lot of looks. looks. I, I, you know, we've mentioned, I think, when we do every single player in this um, recap that so much is going to have to run through Zach Eady next year. But I don't think we can say it enough because the team really is going to go as far as Zach Eady can take them. Yep. Um, you know, it's very difficult to build your team around a center in modern college basketball. Um, but Zach Eady is so efficient, as we as we saw last year, and he can really, really dominate um on offense so Purdue has to put players around him who understand that we need to get him the ball as you said 30 to 35 times a game whatever how many looks he can get um just keep feeding him until he's there and Morton is one of those guys who is unselfish who will make the right pass and who I trust to get the ball in uh to Zach Eady so he's a guy who I think can find his way onto the court much more next year uh because of like you said his the ball doesn't stick in his hand he's not 
uh, a selfish player. He's always looking to make the right basketball play, and that's going to be invaluable for a team next year who, other than Edie, doesn't really have a, you know a true star on the roster um, who's going to be you know a black hole with the ball. Yeah, and it's going to make everyone else who might not be a naturally offensive player. It's going to make their job easier. It's going to create looks for Brandon Newman. It's going to take pressure off of Braden Smith. It's going to give lawyer looks. Uh, I think lawyer Morton will probably be a sneaky, really good plus minus for us next year. I think that combination, I think they're both um, surprisingly long, good with the ball, smart. And those are going to be two guys that can play off of Edie. Well, like you said, our entire offense is going to be about how do we make Edie's life as easy as possible because he needs the ball every instant he can. And Morton is the exact kind of player to help make that happen. He's going to make Newman's life easier. Um, Newman and Morton uh, expect them to have the ball a lot. And yeah, he will, he's going to have to step up because there's not many in his position. We've talked about this every podcast. There's not a natural point guard on this roster. That's not going to be a true freshman. That's 5'10". Well, yeah, (laughs) that's the other thing. So his size, his skill, um, his unique ability, especially on defense to get in the way, make things tough. I was really impressed with his defense all year last year. Yeah. Struggled a bit against, you know, the Ron Harper types, but who doesn't? Well, I mean, yeah, I was going to say. But he's going to have a whole other year to add onto that body. I'm sure Painter saw that. I sure he saw that. Like, they're going to work on it. He's going to come back even stronger. Uh, Generally, someone like Morton, they don't decrease in their production. They make leaps, particularly into their junior season. So he's the breakout candidate, I think, on this team. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, I talked about he only had 200 minutes his freshman year. He had a total of two steals in that uh, 200 minutes. Um, That's wild. Right. The next season, 548 minutes. Um, So, you know, two and a half times, uh, roughly, you know, a little more. But uh, the number of minutes wound up with 22 steals. So, uh, you know, quite a bit better there. But his his length and athleticism and his ability to kind of just get in the way of passing lanes really helped uh, this team on defense. And I think that's something that with another year um, to improve upon, continue like to be able to see the floor better as he continues. To, you know, everybody continues to acclimate to college basketball as they go through a program like this. Um, so I expect Morton to just be even more prepared next year for defense because, as I said, you know, he only – has taken, you know, 70 or 80 some shots. So I don't expect him to, you know, suddenly average 15 or 20 points, but he's going to be out there quite a bit. So he can add just as much value on defense as he can on offense. And I'm very excited to see what he can do with all the minutes he can handle. I'm imagining for sure. Also, I have never felt worse about any prediction I made than Caleb first being second lead scorer. Oh, hey, it's going to be it Newman. On, I've got it on record. I know so. it's going to be Newman. He's gonna okay, shoot why, like, why the change? He's not going to shoot enough. There's there's no chance. You you think first isn't going to shoot enough? You mean no? Yeah, there's no chance. I Yeah, I mean, I get that. And, and the plus, minutes, I don't I don't know where the minutes will be exactly. I, I think Newman and Morton would be my one, two, And then maybe lawyer as a dark horse. Yeah, I could see. I could see lawyer because he, he comes in. He and don't shoot. He, yeah, he's, he's not gonna shoot the ball. So. He, yeah, let's hope he's not shy because, again, there are going to be shots available. Uh, so somebody's got to take him. So, Casey, anything else on Ethan Morton before we head out of here tonight? I'm excited. Me too. Me too. That's all. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, he he's a guy who I've liked since the beginning. Um, I really think he he has a great opportunity next year. There's going to be plenty plenty of minutes available. And you know his his freshman year was rough because he got COVID and and kind of struggled to come back from that. This year looked a lot better. Still couldn't find his way into the starting lineup. But Purdue had a, you know a lot of good guards on the team this year, so he was kind of blocked. But now with those guys out of the program, he's going to have every opportunity to truly show what he can do. Um, and, you know, he had a great career. I believe he was Pennsylvania's Mr. Basketball. So Correct. let, let's see what he can do, uh, given the opportunity. So I'm really looking forward to Ethan Morton next year. So I, we have a weird history with Mr. Basketballs of other states. Yeah. We, I mean, we've, uh, we've got a bunch from Ohio, Pennsylvania. Um, we might've had a Michigan one. I can't remember though, but anytime you can get the, what, what people deem the best player I mean, out of the Spike state, Albert I'll take was it. Mr. Basketball. Every moment of his life. There, exactly. He. That's actually what they called him as soon as he was born. <laughs> they gave him a little basketball, and he just never let go. Never let go. I wish we could have got more out of that. Out of Spike? Yeah. Yeah, would have been good. His body just was breaking down, and it yeah. was a weird team for him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. No more Spike Albrecht talk. Ethan Morton all the way. All right. Next podcast, there, though. There you, yeah, you never know what can come up on the next one. There you go, folks. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate, review, Hammer that subscribe button and we'll talk with you next time.